broadcasting from everyone's music school at the Tannery Arts Center in Santa Cruz, California. Welcome to Speak for Change podcast. I am your host, Thomas Sage Pedersen. Our mission is to inspire and promote positive change in the arts, personal development, culture, business, and politics in our local and global communities. If you'd like to support us, you can become a member for as low as $2 a month and have access to exclusive content, member-only podcasts, early access to episodes, access to member-only like-minded community. And you know what, you guys, I'm going to be doing some interesting courses here in the in this year. So that's probably a good place to be if you want to get you know access to those. So sign up if you like, if you want to support. All right. So it is Martin Luther King's birthday today. And as someone who admires Martin Luther King, I felt I had to do a podcast today. It is a special podcast. I've got, we've gotten so much amazing podcasts coming out in the next few weeks that I've, you know, I'm currently editing or I've just finished editing and they're just being ready to be published on Tuesday and Friday. So that's like a little announcement there. Tuesday and Fridays are now our days, which podcasts are officially released. But that being said, there are going to be special podcasts like the one you're listening to right now, which are improvised or um, some kind of special event that comes up. All right. So I kind of wanted to use this time to talk to you guys about, you know, I was trained as a Kingian nonviolence trainer, uh, level one last year in Selma, Alabama. And that taught me a lot about Martin Luther King's life, his strategies, but it also taught me about all these different strategies and training that was involved in the civil rights movement. So when I learned about the civil rights movement when I was a child, I didn't have all this inside knowledge that I I had to learn as an adult. And that being said, I didn't know that it took so much training for a lot of these people to enact positive change into the world. For instance, like the sit-ins, when the sit-ins happened, before that, there was a significant amount of training uh, that went into training these kids how to not act violently when being pouring coffee on, when gum was put in their hair, when getting hit by newspapers, being smoke blown in their face. There was training of that to build their resilience and to build their reaction because the ultimate reaction is to violence is more violence, right? If you get hit in the face, you want to fight back, right? Or run away or something, but to face it, right? To stand there silently and to face that kind of punishment is a whole nother thing that you need to be trained for. So these guys would go through so much training to be able to handle it, to be able to not run away or to not get up in someone's face and yell at them and just to continually sit there. And I mean, that is such a a remarkable strategy. And I mean, when you really take it on personally, you know, the things that come to my mind are, you know, are these being submissive? Are they being, you know, pacifist? But really that highlighted the opposite of what was happening. So what was happening or these students would come into these restaurants that were segregated. They didn't allow black people in the restaurants and they would just sit down, order a cup of coffee. 
and they got refused service. And on top of that, you know, the patrons of that organization would start harassing them. They started pouring coffee in their lap. They started hitting them in the head with newspapers, you know, blowing smoke in their face, yelling at them, screaming at them. But their peaceful demeanor of just sitting there in peace allowed th that to highlight the injustice that is ha that was happening by overdramatizing it. The power of the opposite, right? You know, highlighting the opposite of what it was happening, not by words, not by calling out people, not by doing any of that, but actual action. <laughs> Ironically, inaction, really, you know, the act of not doing something to highlight what is being done. So that strategy was genius. And that's true, but it was a strategy. It wasn't an improvised protest. It wasn't some kind of, you know, thing. And, you know, I've been to some protests recently. And so this is why I say improvised protests. So let me get a little bit more clear. Protests are not improvised, right? You know, there's a lot of organization that goes apart part into bringing someone together for a march. So like, you know, you're marching down the street and there's a lot of marches happening in the past since, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement really hit the mainstream of American society. But you don't see a lot of really creative changes, really creative ways of highlighting the injustices that have been happening. Right, you don't see really creative ways of doing that. I mean, I saw one thing recently, and I, and I talk about this on a podcast I just recorded. Um, but I think it was in a different country, and they were protesting by just being silent. They're all socially distant in a specific way, and they just were extremely silent. No chance, nothing, just extreme silence. And I swear, the power of that silence was really deep to me. Right, and I'm not saying that is exactly what to do. I'm not saying that is what we need to do and like what we've been doing is wrong or anything like that. But I think now it's time to up our level is to think creatively about these organizations and these protests and these ways that we go about creating positive and lasting change in our communities. You know, if January 6th has shown anything to me is that, you know, if there was a counter protest or some kind of other strategy on the parts to highlight that even more. And I think the fact that they got into the Capitol, right? They got in there and they highlighted themselves. <laughs> I mean, like the fact that we, that people did not have to really do anything and just let them go. I mean, it really highlighted the problems that are happening. And what I'm really trying to say is that I think we, it's time for us to start creatively doing things. Even if that means some of us work through government to try to create change. Even that, if that means some of us have to organize different types of ways to be able to highlight injustices that are happening in our current reality. You know, even if that means just like, you know, going to parts of the country where we know it's problematic when a lot of people gather and just gathering there and being there. No protest, no chance, just the fact of being there and seeing how people react to that. You know, really just trying to highlight the issues that are happening by doing really creative and dramatic things to be able to highlight those issues. You know, in the 60s, the civil rights movement, like I was saying, they're really trained, organized, trained and organized. They had really like the boycotts, the bus boycotts, super organized. You know, Rosa Parks was specifically chosen 
by the organization she was a part of to be the person to sit on that bus. In history class, I learned that these most of these events were highly improvised. You know, like, oh, she just felt someday that she needed to sit on the bus and refuse to get up. In reality, this has been planned. This was planned. It was the first step to a strategy of direct action to try to change things, right? They had the information, they gathered information about what injustice was happening. They figured a way that it could work and they implemented that change. And so I think that is what we need to do right now is figure out ways of resisting in a way of healing. And that, and that being said, creative ways, unique ways, yes. But in the 60s, they also had one thing. They had Martin Luther King and a lot of other people, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., John Lewis, Bernard Lafayette, Rosa Parks, Jimmy Lee Jackson, and thousands of other activists all across the nation committed to the principles of Gandhi's view of nonviolence. And, you know, when I say nonviolence, I don't mean like turning your back to a fight. I mean facing that fight, showing up in a creative way that takes strength and courage. You know, don't run away from violence that's being portrayed against you. Stand up with that same level of militancy that the people who are using violence against you are using, but with the intention of building connection, with the intention of trying to highlight their own injustices to themselves. You know, be the mirror, be, be the reflection, right? Use what you have, your body, your mind, your soul, your training to be able to really resist. But for the goal, the end game of reconciliation, not alienation, not humiliation. Do not strive to humiliate the enemy, strive to bring them in. And how do we do that? By actively resisting them, but in a way of nonviolence, in a way that eventually we know we can bring them into a community. We need to find creative ways to do this. And this, we're in a time in history right now where it's needed with violence going on on such high levels. Just seeing that insurrection that happened at the Capitol just highlights that, highlights the violence people are willing to do to keep a culture that is rooted in white supremacy we need to react in a non-violent way. And that means not just leaving violence. That's not what I'm saying. Take the militancy, take the power behind the violence and use it to face things, to be in things, to use that creativity in things, to be able to resist what is happening. It's a creative way of being able to, you know, and I and I hesitate to use the word fight, but it is, it's a fight. It is, but you're not fighting in the traditional way. Your intention is way different. The the goal is way different. The end game is way different. And so when I learned Kingian nonviolence in Selma, Alabama, it showed me strategies. It showed me ways that I can make change, how I can organize, you know, principles, steps, vision that was passed down from Martin Luther King Jr. to Bernard Lafayette 
and, and create it into a course, right? Create it into a training so that people can help try to systematically create nonviolence in our communities. We should have the goal to unite. But to unite, we need to address the injustices. We need to face these problems. We need to face our fears. We need to be able to be vulnerable. And how do we influence people? We don't influence people by trying to humiliate them, by trying to alienate them. We have to influence people by our own actions, by facing things that we disagree with, by highlighting it, not just canceling it and getting it out of the way. Rather, let's show up and have people look, why are they just standing there? Why are they sitting there? Why are they, you know, putting this one emoji there? Why are they not buying things there and then doing this other thing? You know, why are, why are they doing these? So that people can see the, the highlighted injustice by the power of the opposite. Some things are too big to face on straight up. Systemic racism, too big to just, just straight up try to handle it. We're not going to cure that by that. We need to find creative ways of strategy, of finding other ways around the issue so that we can get it from different angles, from actions. When Gandhi faced the British army, he, they did not fight. They did not fight. There was no violence because Gandhi chose that he had a way of resisting in a way that is nonviolent, that is creative, because it, the enemy was too big. Their numbers would not match. They can't just keep fighting this person. And they didn't, it didn't seem reasonable to have another endless war. So he did it in a way that could promote, at least they can have a relationship in the future. And if he did not do that, I don't think India and the UK would have a relationship at all. You know, who knows what would have happened? But the truth is, is that he chose to go by these principles of nonviolence. And both these guys, Martin Luther King and, and Gandhi, both very spiritual people, you know, and I think that helped Martin Luther King see the value of nonviolence, right? See the value of resisting in a way of bringing people together because he was a Christ follower. So it was in his ideology to bring people together, to, he was a preacher, I mean, and a philosopher and a, an educated man and a thinker. When you read his works, you're just, I'm just blown away by the level of knowledge this man has. And so we need to start bringing back the boycotts, the sit-ins, the freedom rides, all those strategies, all those things, all that training to be able to resist in creative ways. You know, and if you think about it, it was hard then, it's hard now. I mean, Martin Luther King's house was bombed, yet he still found it in his heart to forgive and use that to highlight the things, the, the, the injustices that were happening. Sometimes we have to be a bit dramatic when we protest, when people are inflicting pain or things, because that's how you highlight those issues. Martin Luther King said it. I don't have the exact quote. He was saying, you know, we have to have a level of drama so that people can see the dramatic effect. So people can see. And they were criticizing his support of the sit-ins. And they're like, don't you think it's a bit dramatic? to go in and sit in a restaurant where you know you're not welcome, 
you know things are going to happen to pick a fight. You're pretty much picking a fight and choosing not to fight, right? And he was like, well, you have to be dramatic or else no one will pay attention. No one will see. Drama has a place. You know, and, and, and in my view, as an artist and a musician, I see this really interesting landscape that he is seeing. He's seeing some of these things as being somewhat performative, yet with real-life consequences, right? Using these movements as a way to highlight issues by being dramatic, by doing things that you're like, oh, you know you're going to get in trouble if you do that. You know, like the Freedom Rides. John Lewis is highlighting accomplishment, getting in good trouble, right? Going to places where they know they're not wanted, yet protesting and doing sit-ins and doing all these strategies to, to highlight the injustice of segregation and racism in our country. So I think it's now time for creative action. I think we need to learn on this day from Martin Luther King and learn what they did to create positive and lasting change. And we need to adopt a similar mindset and ideology of nonviolence, of bringing people, to con bringing people together and being creative with how we do this. No more improvised marches. And when I say improvised, I mean, when you're in a march and something bad happens, suddenly no one knows what to do. You know, everyone's running away. Everyone's chaotic. It's easy to sway a crowd in one direction. We need organized efforts that have a strategy in mind and have ways to use that strategy. And so on, on this day, Martin Luther King's birthday, I want to honor the man for sure, but I also want to honor the, what he stood for, his movement, his ideas. You know, he was committed to this cause and he was considered... You know, he was arrested over 16 times for disturbing the peace. And we look back at him as a, as a, as a hero in our society. In my opinion, I should think we should look back at Malcolm X in a similar way. You know, because the power of the opposite. You know, both these things were needed at that time, empowerment and the willingness to commit to nonviolence, the willingness to commit to facing a big, strong enemy with peace, not running away, facing, going up, standing there, looking them down, not giving up. That's what we need. So happy Martin Luther King Day. Uh, I mean, it's Friday, but his official, the holidays on Monday. Um, we'll be publishing here soon. Um, thank you so much for listening. And, you know, I will probably be doing a King and Nonviolence introduction thing, like an overview, just with some of the strategies that we can use, like kind of more of a practical use of King and Nonviolence for organizing here soon. Um, so stay tuned. And, you know, thank you so much for listening, you guys. And I appreciate you all We're broadcasting from the Tannery Arts Center in Santa Cruz, California. This is Speak for Change podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Sage Pedersen.